Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. I am your host, Mike Patria, joined by none other than Harris Kermani here for this wonderful Monday, January 17th, full day of hoops. So we're gonna we're gonna break this down in a few different ways. Uh, you know, checking out the earlier contests, there are not the the best contests, I guess we could say. I mean, they're they're fun, they're good, uh, but no real major GPP prize pools or anything like that. It seems like they're reserving that all for the five game main slate. So we're gonna go through the five game main slate, break those down game by game in depth, like we normally do, and then at the end of the show when we do our player tier segment, we will also give a little player tier segment for each one of the afternoon slates and the early slate. So they'll still get a little information on there. Obviously we want to be able to touch on all of them, but uh, we want to focus on the ones with the bigger prize pools, the ones that we assume probably more people will be playing in all honesty here. So I probably won't play that early slate. I may get some afternoon action, but you know, I got some, I got some stuffs I got to do tomorrow morning. So I don't see myself grabbing that one too much, but how are you doing my friend? How was your weekend? Uh, can't complain about the weekend and for all the American listeners out there, happy Martin Luther King Day to them on the Monday. We're going to be hit with like 40 centimeters of snow coming out as of tomorrow, so not looking forward to that. The weekend itself has actually been relatively mild, so gotten a little opportunity to go out. You know, when the snow comes out, even if it's cold, I like riding my bike. It's just a thing. So I was able to do I was able to do that for the last day or two. I know I'm not going to get to do it for most of this week, so thought I'd take advantage of it while it lasted. But otherwise... Yes. <laughs> you're a psychopath man absolutely I, I know this is the case this has always been a thing even when i worked downtown in toronto i would uh, get my uh, i would take my bike with me it was one of those ones that i could fold up and uh, get myself out a little bit further out and then go and take the bike into work itself and be that guy who'd have to change clothes but it is what it is i'm still in a happy spot because the raptors pulled out an insane win yesterday against the milwaukee bucks just probably the best win of the season for them coming on the back of what is always a bad loss against Detroit. We just seem to not be able to beat Dwayne Casey. It's like three and seven against him now. It's disgusting, but it is what it is. It's not very often where both of our teams are coming off of a win, man. So we got to, <laughs> we got to relish this and just enjoy it. But so 40 centimeters, I think that, what does that turn into? Like one, one foot, four inches if in our metric over here, I guess. I think that's what it is. Probably yeah. It should be about that. Yeah. 30 centimeters is a foot last I remember. So yeah, yeah just so about another 10. Yeah. There we go. One foot four inches. That's a good amount, man. Good luck. You shoveling? <laughs> we'll have to. Not my choice. Otherwise, cars ain't going anywhere. That's why I moved to Texas, my friend. <laughs> no, no, no more of that for me. I think it was the coldest uh, on Saturday it's been since I've been here, and it was you know forty. Uh, I'll take that any day of the week if that's if that's the coldest they got. I'll I'll take it. I mean, listen, I'm probably going to get some tweets from you know people I've lived in Texas longer than me and. No disrespect, because I, I think everybody knows what happened to Texas last year when they had that uh, cold freeze over and everything like that. But I'll take it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hoping I'm avoiding one of those this season. But we got a nice, fun little main slate. I'm looking at it. I was going over everything. It's unique in, in a way because you know while there's always some priced up options to look at, uh, not as many as normal. You know, there's there's really only three guys over 10k. Um, and, you know, I'll let the cat out of the bag right now, man. I don't know if I land on any of them. Um, we'll see how it goes when we're done talking about it. So I don't want to give too much away just yet. A quick shout out to our presenting sponsor. Guys, come prop up. This is over at Thrive Fantasy. This NBA season, Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props. With Thrive, you eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Choose 10 of 20 available prop bets to build your lineup. And then each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props, rack up the most points, and win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over 50K in guaranteed prizes weekly for the NBA alone and is awarded over $6 million so far. So head over there. When you sign up, use promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, and you will receive a 100% instant first deposit match on up to $100. You can download Thrive in the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. All right, my friends. So we're going we're gonna to kick this one off with a bang. We have Portland traveling to Orlando. They are taking on the Magic. And it looks like from all, all things that we're seeing, uh, CJ McCollum 
should be back, should be good to go. It sounds like he could have returned uh, in the past, like, few games or two or three games. Uh, but he was, you know, obviously he had the birth of his child, so he wanted to be there for that. So that kind of pushed it back a little bit. So, you know, while he could have played and didn't, uh, I, I'm thinking he's going to be good to go. From everything that we were reading in the reports leading up to this, they said that he's fully healthy. Uh, he's been practicing. He's been conditioning. Uh, so, you know, exactly what kind of minutes we can expect from him. That's the toss-up. First game back in a while, so they may want to take it easy on him. Uh, but we still have Damian Lillard out. Larry Nance Jr. still out. Uh, Cody Zeller still out. And then Norman Powell is questionable. And then for the Magic, Wendell Carter Jr., Markel Fultz, Michael Carter-Williams, Jonathan Isaac, and Etwan Moore have all been ruled out as well. So I will pass it over to you. How are you attacking this Portland team knowing that McCollum is back? Yeah, and it's not just McCollum. All signs are pointing to Norman Powell also being back. They put him into conditioning the day before, and all signs are pointing to him getting back there as well. So it leaves you in an odd situation because you have all these guys like Anthony Simons who's been playing out of his mind, but been priced up as a result of it. So just in general, I think this might be one of those uh, Portland games where even though they're by and large a pretty good fantasy squad, I may just have myself waiting and seeing. I think Anthony Simons for 8000 is a pretty fair price tag for what we probably expect from him his usage is going to take a step back uh, cj mccollum as you said first game back uh, it's been what six weeks now since he had his collapse lung i think that's a pretty good timeline to be able to get back from it given the fact that i had one back in like third year university and that's how long it took me to get back and i'm not an elite athlete so i think cj will be able to hit the ground running just 8500 is probably just slightly above uh, what i'd uh, expect to pay for him until i can see him go ahead and actually hit that value i do think in the long term with Damian Lillard out, that's probably going to be a pretty good price tag for us to be able to attack him. But on this one, I think other than maybe I might see myself landing a little bit on uh, on an Anthony Simons, just way based on some of the ways my lineups are working out. I think I may just actually avoid most of these Portland guys. I'm kind of right there with you, man. I'm, I don't see myself playing. The only guy that actually piqued my interest a little bit would have been Nurkic. Because despite, you know, McCollum coming back, it's like his role should be the exact same no matter what. Uh, he's been playing 30 minutes in four out of the past five games, and that's our number one concern with him. And in three out of the past five, he has at least 42 and a half DK points. So he's the one guy I could see. My, but there's there's even another center that we'll get to later on around the same price tag that I do like a little bit more. But I'm I'm just not paying a premium. Uh, I get it. You have you're right. Simon's been playing out of his mind. Uh, but those were games, obviously, with McCollum off the floor, with Powell off the floor for a few of them. Um, the usage is not just going to be all his to have anymore. It's going to be a little bit of ball. He's probably going to be playing a little bit more off ball as well. And Simons is a little bit more of a tweener guard. I get it. The assists have been up. I just don't see them running the offense through him, especially with McCollum being back really. So while he could hit that AK price tag, I'll probably take a hard pass on it. Just we got five games. we got other guys to look at a lot of good mid tier options. Just don't see myself really going to that side of the ball as well. Uh, or all that much. And on the Orlando side of the ball, Wendell Carter Jr. continues to be out, which means that we'll get a little bit of value out of here. Uh, not a ton, but I think anytime the team's going up against Portland, you, you kind of it's got to pique your interest at least a little bit. Uh, we know Portland's defense has been pretty bad all season long. They've been giving up these you know massive scoring games, high game totals usually. So I don't have a problem looking at a guy like Franz Wagner at 5,700. You know, down game for Orlando in general. In that last one, he only played 27 minutes. But in the game that I expect to stay fairly close, you should be looking at 30-plus minutes out of Franz. And we've seen 40-point ups out of, out of him night in and night out. Has that small forward eligibility that we always covet and love. Because I think you're one of the one of the few people with me, Harris, where we just hate playing actual small forwards. So, you know, give me a guy that's going to be playing a little bit at the four as well. Or like an Alec Burks who's going to play a little point guard. And we're all about that life over there. But... Uh, Chumo Kiki, 4,600. You know, the minutes, they're up and down. I, I would expect him to play a little bit closer to that 30-minute mark. He only played 25 in that last one. Again, game got out of hand. Uh, with Wendell Carter out, you should be in drawing another start here. So those are the two primary options I'm really looking at. And then Cole Anthony's at a very comfortable price tag at 7,300. This is a great matchup for him. Uh, I don't mind looking at him either, and he's probably the main reason. Like, you know, guys like him, a little bit cheaper than Simon's that I just prefer to play over him. So I think all three of those guys are in play for me. I'm not going to get cute here and really go with the Suggs. Uh, Mo Bamba is is in play, but, you know, I just I, – I like these other options so much, and I'm not trying to, you know, stack Orlando with, you know, four other solid games on the line. So I'm probably just going to leave with those three options, but I, I wouldn't cross Mo Bamba out either just without Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, you know, I, he's coming back from that toe injury. He played that last one. Only played 17 minutes because of the blowout. 
but he also got 20 DK points almost in 17 minutes. So you bump that up to a 30, and he can easily get you 35 DK points. Wouldn't shock me one bit. Yeah, and I think I'm just waiting on figuring out whether Mo Bamba is going to get the opportunity to start. If he's going back into it, he definitely comes into play for me, just given the fact that he's such a great points-per-minutes producer. Frankly, he doesn't even need to get all the way to 30 minutes to be able to hit his value pretty consistently, even when it was back in the 6,000 range. So at 5,600, I'm pretty happy taking him as long as I know that he's starting and won't really have major restrictions. Cole Anthony, as you said, he's probably... Other than Franz, no doubt Franz for 5,700 is in play. But I think Cole Anthony is probably one of my kind of favorite guards to be able to take here. One, given the matchup to his price tag and just Portland in general, high-paced matchup, but absolutely terrible in terms of defending opposing guards. Uh, he's had two down matchups, which has driven his price down, but we know his upside just remains and he's going to get uh, the shots consistently. They're still kind of figuring out how things are working between him and Jalen Suggs, and they're seeing a little bit more Suggs off the bench. So Cole Anthony isn't really taking that hit as far as uh, his entire usage is concerned. We just had a blowout in the last game, so I'm not reading too, too much into it. So he's probably my favorite for 7,300. The only other kind of dart throw has been Mo Wagner, who is purely a situation of getting as much usage for him as possible. I got 38 DK points in the game against Charlotte in which they were searching for a bit of offense off the bench. And, you know, he carried on that hot start, hot start into the Dallas game as well, even though they had their blowout. So it's hard to rule him out at that kind of price tag. And if everything else kind of works out and I need a guy just to stick in there, uh, dumpster diving, I think Mo Wagner is a pretty good spot to be able to get 10 shots up again. And he gets, uh, you know, a little bit of everything when he was back on Washington and he's been able to do that with Orlando as well. All right, my friend, we'll keep it moving. Toronto traveling to Miami, taking on the, oh, did I not give, I'm, I'm so terrible at this man sometimes. I always do this. Let me make sure. Yeah, 215 game total, two and a half points per, for that Portland-Orlando game. I'm terrible at that. So let me just get this out of the way now. Toronto traveling to Miami, 209 and a half game total. Uh, Miami being favored by four points in this one. For the injury report, uh, for the Heat, Bam is questionable, but all signs are pointing likely that he will return from his thumb surgery in this one. Kyle Guy, Kyle Lowry, Markeith Morris, Casey Akpala, Victor Oladipo, Chris Silva all ruled out. And then we have Ken Birch ruled out, Isaac Bonga, Goran Dragic, David Johnson ruled out, and then Gary Trent Jr. is questionable. I will pass it over to you to talk about your Raptors. Yeah, and for Toronto, this is actually one of those rare games where pretty much everyone should be looking to get back. Uh, Gary Trent is the only one who's questionable, but he's also leaning towards being able to play. And really what that means is all these guys that are priced up for the performances that they've been given are probably going to be avoided for me by and large. I mean, OG Ananobi has been the one who's really uh, got his offense going in the last couple of games now in terms of his shot attempts. Even if his percentages aren't in the roof, he's got double digit three point attempts in two of the last three games. And, you know, I, they're clearly fo focusing on his uh, development in that he's really taking advantage of the fact that Siakam Van Vliet are getting a lot of a lot of attention inside the paint. And then he's been the one to be able to benefit from the kickout. But now you got to throw Scotty Barnes into the mix. And that's always messed around with the usage. So really the main ancillary piece that I'm interested in here is Precious Achua. With uh, Kem Birch out, he's likely going to see himself into a start. Had a great game against Milwaukee, and I mean, 39 minutes was a season high for him. I don't know if he necessarily gets all the way up to that, but I could easily see him in that 28 to 30 minute mark, and that should be absolutely smash as far as his value is concerned. And the other kind of wrinkle to be able to look at, again, dumpster diving, look into whether Justin Champagne is going to get the opportunity to start as well. Uh, they've kind of liked that uh, thing of him being that small forward to be able to go ahead and... Uh, defend a lot of the major perimeter guys for him. So if Gary Trent is out, you'll probably see uh, Champagne starting at 3,000. You could do a lot worse. Even if he's not scoring, he'll get somewhere close to double-digit boards. I couldn't have said it better myself. Those were the only two guys I even had kind of circled. Also, you know, a little bit of a revenge narrative, I guess we could say, for Precious going against Miami. Uh, I don't love this matchup for him. At 3,900, there is another $3,900 value center who will probably draw more ownership. So... Uh, it makes sense to for a little bit of a pivot, but it's going to be a tough matchup. If Bam's back, I, I generally try to avoid targeting anybody going against Bam. But at 3,900, if he plays 30-plus minutes, he'd have to really, really fumble uh, to not hit that that price tag. So very two very good options um, that I think we could look at over there for some, for some value. Uh, on the Miami side of the ball, with no Kyle Lowry, 
we got to wait and see what they exactly decide to do with the starting lineup, whether it's, you know, Gabe Vincent, Hero comes in and starts. You know, it could go any which way. Uh, but, I mean, all these guys are pretty much priced appropriately, I'd say, outside of Bam. But, again, there's a little risk with Bam where we just don't know what kind of minutes he's going to play in his first game back. Now, granted, it, it was a thumb surgery. Uh, if he's been practicing, he should be good to play whatever amount of minutes that they need him to. It wasn't a core muscle injury or, you know, knee sprain or anything like that where you usually want to just work a guy back in solely. So I'm not going to rule him out yet. He's got a lot of risks. There's a lot of guys in, I would say, centers alone in that like 7-8 to 8-3 range that are all in good spots. We just talked about Nurkic. We'll get to another guy later as well. So I don't think I'll end up landing on him too much. I think Butler at 8-9 is slightly too cheap, especially if, well, not if, but with Kyle Lowry out, just knowing that he's going to handle the ball a little bit more. Uh, Hero at 7-5 is okay. I think he's going to draw a little bit, you know, decent amount of ownership. Anytime we see Kyle Lowry out or Jimmy Butler out, a lot of people flock straight to Tyler Hero, and for good reasons. Uh, you know, he's a great young player, and he handles the ball a little bit more, and he's a walking bucket. But I think I'm going to be looking at a guy like Max Struss at 4,300, uh, just knowing that this team is growing more confident in him pretty much day by day. His minutes feel a little secure, uh, knowing that he's playing at least probably mid-20s, has the upside of playing like low 30s, I would say, with Kyle Lowry out. So, 4,300, he's probably going to be my primary target over here on the Heat. Uh, and, but, I, again, I like Jimmy. I don't mind Hero. Uh, but they're probably not guys that I'm going to end up necessarily having in all my lineups. Just kind of, you know, I would say probably about 20 to 25% of my lineups, each one of them. Yeah, fair enough. Although I'm probably a lot more high on Jimmy in this matchup. It's just been historically and always just a matchup that it's like Jimmy waits for the Toronto Raptors to go ahead and drop every single one of his career nights. So if you go back to all those years, he just loves doing it night and night again. He's got his 40 point game against us. He's got his uh, 30 point triple double against us as well. And game after game, I was very excited to be able to take Kyle Lowry in this matchup, but we're going to have to still wait until that opportunity for him to go ahead and come back. So with that, as you said, Max Struess definitely becomes a key cog as far as this uh, entire rotation is concerned for the Miami Heat. Uh, 28 minutes in the last game, got 12 field goal attempts. Probably get the opportunity to get a couple more assists in that lineup as well, just given the fact that I think they're going to find him more as uh, as Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo kind of play a little bit off to take uh, to take a little bit of the attention away. So yeah, definitely in play for me. I think Caleb Martin's another one who should be finding himself getting more consistent minutes, uh, even in the last one. I mean, I'm not looking to box score chase, but he's been absolutely awesome in the times that he's been getting even in that 17 minutes he was able to go ahead and absolutely pull down his value and in the last game where he got consistent minutes he was into the 30s as well so it just all comes down to how things work out I think with Kyle Lowry out they're going to need as many of these kind of tweener guys to be able to handle the ball as much as possible I'm kind of staying away from Bam because just given the fact that in general I haven't been all too happy with how Bam's been playing throughout the year his uh, hopefully with his thumb now fixed, he can get back to being a defensive presence in terms of actually box score stats. His blocks per game are way below any time in the rest of his career. He's averaging 0.3 blocks a game at the moment. So I'm hoping he can start to turn some of those stocks around. But for now, I'll go ahead and avoid him. And uh, Jimmy absolutely is probably one of my favorite spend ups, actually, given how everything else is going to work out for me. I can't fault you for that. I mean, you're you are the Raptor expert. So I'm glad you touched on that, that he's absolutely torched them in the past. You know, it's it's something that anytime I see, you know, wings going against the Raptors, the first thing that comes to mind is OG. And OG is a problem on defense for a lot of players. Uh, the addition of Scott, Scotty Barnes this season is another very versatile. They just feel like they have a lot of versatile guys that can switch to their positions very quickly, pick up the slack, and do whatever they need to do. So I try not to target too many wings. But if you're out here telling me that the Heat tortures them, I'll, I'm going to probably have a little bit more interest. I'm going to go with you on this one, man. I, I mean, it's just kind of like if uh, any of our listeners or if you're in our Discord, uh, if you hear Keith talking about the Bulls, you know, you should listen. Uh, you know, that's the thing about when people have their own home favorite teams, they generally know a little bit more about those teams or that team than any other team that we know about. So uh, I'll take your word. I mean, it's, he's at a good price tag. That's the one thing that was piquing my interest the most was that $8,900 price tag. The fact that of the matter is, I told you, I don't like a lot of the spend up. So I see myself having, you know, at least two to three of these 8K or higher guys in my lineups. Um, he's going to have to probably be one of them and a few of them for sure. We'll move on, though, to the next game, 830. Eastern Standard Time start game. OKC traveling to Dallas, taking on the Mavericks in this one for the Thunder. Theo Maladon, Alex, uh, Alexa Pochevesky, Isaiah Roby, Kenrich Williams all ruled out. Dallas has yet to submit their injury report. But as we know, 
our good friend Christoph Porzingis is back. So it's always worth noting. Uh, 206 and a half game total. Dallas is being favored by 10 and a half points. I'll pass it over to you to talk about OKC, and I'll keep it very short and sweet. I don't like any of them. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, Josh Giddy is a guy I like in this matchup. I mean, apart from the fact that last time they were here in Dallas, he had the career game of 66.75 DK points, 17-point triple-double. But I actually expect this game to be relatively close. I know they've gotten that whole 10.5 point spread, but the way OKC's playing lately and just the way Dallas defends in general, I expect both Shea and Josh Giddy to have a really good game in both of these. So both of them are in my player pool. And just as a pivot, uh, I've also got Darius Baisley just because of the consistent minutes that he's getting at the minute at the moment and the usage that he's getting as the six man, it's kind of uh, moved away. They had him initially starting at certain points, but now like these like shoving Robinson Earl over there, even though he's not really there for usage, just a big body to be able to throw out there. But it's been Darius Baisley that's gotten the benefit of pretty much being the major usage guy off the bench for him and shooting really well in all of his last games. Hasn't been below you know, 20 DK points in this furthest back, but he's back to back 29, 25, 32 as far as his DK points are concerned. So I think he's in a good spot at that power forward position to be able to put up some good value as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind taking the stab at Giddy. I know that huge game did come without Shea in the lineup, uh, that big sixty-point banger that he had. So, you know, I expect this to be like a little bit of a lower-scoring game. I'm not expecting a high-scoring game. It's just probably the worst game on the slate for me when I'm looking at a standpoint as far as DFS value to game totals, everything else. So, I'm not trying to get a ton of ownership in there, but I wouldn't fault you for going to Giddy whatsoever. Uh, on the other side of the ball, short and sweet here. The only guy I'm really looking at would be Chris Stops. At 7,900, I do like that price tag. He played 28 minutes in his first game back. Uh, was super active. Got to the free throw line 12 times. Uh, continued to get, you know, blocking the steal, which he's been routinely doing, it feels like, on a nightly basis before he went out. But if he's going to – he should be back. If he played 28 in the first one, I'm expecting him to play anywhere between, you know, 30 to 35 in this one. And OKC's been pretty trash against opposing bigs. Now, granted, Porzingis isn't your stock standard big. He's 7'3". I get that. But he spends a lot of his time on the offense outside of the three-point line, kind of taking those mid-range jumpers as well. But I think that's a good price tag for him. And and be honest, this is kind of an ugly power forward slate in general. So I think this just makes a little bit more sense to use some of that money and spend up on somebody who has, you know, 50-point upside. Yeah, I agree completely. And since I'm going to be fading Doncic in this uh, in this matchup, considering I consider OKC to keep this one close, I do think Porzingis is in a good spot to be able to produce. As you said, his minutes should be getting back to normal. Looked great in the first game back, even though he didn't take uh, the same level of field goal attempts. But to get to the free throw line 12 times, it was all about him just attacking the rim with reckless abandon. So looking forward to him getting back into that kind of 40 plus DK point uh, floor that he's had for the whole time before he went got down with his injury. So let's see how he does. All right. Fourth game of the night, Phoenix Suns traveling to San Antonio, taking on the Spurs. Phoenix on the second half of a back-to-back. But we did see DeAndre Ayton only played eight minutes in today's game, twisted his ankle. I expect him to probably sit this one out. There's our value, my friend. Uh, On the Spurs side, Zach Collins, Trey Jones, both ruled out. This game at the moment is coming in at the second highest game total of the night, 232.5. Phoenix being favored by five points. Talk about the Suns, who you're targeting, and talk about that value. Let's get, let's get the elephant out of the room. <laughs> yeah, with DeAndre Ayton most likely out, JaVale McGee just absolutely becomes a monster pick. Any Anytime he gets an opportunity to be able to get anywhere between 20 to 25 minutes, you know he's going to just smash whatever price tag he's at. So you know, go ahead, throw him in there, even in this last Detroit game, which got out of hand. 15 minutes, he dropped 29 DK points. So you know exactly what he's going to do. Chris Paul is going to lob it up to him as much as possible. They are in a back-to-back, so honestly, they're probably happy with uh, others uh, taking the keys as far as offense is concerned. Chris will just keep lobbing it up, and he's probably the other point guard that I'm really liking on this slate. Uh, At 7,700, I just think he's a little bit too cheap for what he can do Uh, on a matchup that's going to be relatively high-paced as well. San Antonio is a young team that likes to run, and even though DeJounte Murray is there on the other side, Chris Paul is just essentially matchup-proof. It's all about whether he can get uh, the minutes, which only happens when a game stays close. On the second half of a back-to-back for Phoenix, it's more likely that the Spurs at home will be able to give uh, a tougher fight to keep this game and force Chris Paul to play in the fourth quarter. And in that case, I'm happy taking him at 7,700. Probably like him a good bit more than taking Devin Booker at 84. And the only uh, other kind of pivot away from that is I believe Jay Crowder is going to find himself a lot more involved with the offense as well. 
Again, anytime he gets into anywhere close to double-digit shot attempts, you'll usually find that he has a pretty safe floor around the high 20s to low 30s. So at 4,800, he's not my favorite forward pick or anything like that, but I do think he's in a good spot to be able to get you somewhere close to 6x value. Couldn't have said it any better myself, my friend. Uh, right there with you on all those picks. I wouldn't even mind a little Devin Booker, but again, we got some up. Once you start hitting that above 8K range, you're starting to press into territory of other great plays as well. So it makes sense to just get your exposure with the, save a little bit of money, spend it elsewhere. But I'm right there with you on all of those guys as well. On the Spurs side of the ball, Derek White returned. Uh, I believe he played off the bench in that last game, still played 25 minutes. He's another guy right back. Uh, from COVID protocols and looked absolutely fantastic in his limited minutes at 6,500. Uh, he's probably the main guy I'm looking to target on this Spurs side of the ball. Not a, not a much, a lot else. You know, the whole uh, Jock Landale tour is going to be over. I had fun playing him in that last slate, but looks like Jakob Pertle is going to be back. He's not listed on the injury report, so he should be in here. Uh, DeJounte Murray at 10K in this matchup. He's probably the one guy I would consider spending up on in this slate. He's played well in this matchup twice already this season. 10K is, it feels like it's too cheap for how well this dude has played all season because you get that, like, what's his floor at this point? Like 44 DK points, 43 DK points. Um, and then the ceiling is, we've seen it. He's hit 60 plenty of times. He hit 70 plenty of times. This dude's unreal this season. He's getting all the usage. Granted, a lot of those big games were with Derek White off the floor. Uh, he's managed to do it with Derek White on the floor as well, considering that he has a 55-point average against the Suns this season with Derek White playing in both of those games. Uh, Derek White's averaging about 31.4 DK points in the two matchups against this uh, team as well. Those are the only two guys I really have any consideration for. But again, I just don't see myself spending up all that much. But he would be the one guy I would if I did. Yeah, fair enough. Those are the two major guys I'm looking at as well. Again, I just I like Derek White. I like his shooting guard eligibility. Looked great in the first game back, even though he's off the bench. I didn't miss a beat as far as his jumper was concerned. Seven of 11 off the floor. And we already know that he has the capability to be able to rack up blocks and steals for out of position stats as well. So just in a great spot to be able to go ahead and uh, keep that going. And I think at 6,500, I probably will like him more than I do Deontay Murray, just because I said, I'm looking at like Jimmy Butler, Christoph Porzingis and you know, Josh Giddy. I probably won't have the money to be able to look into a Deontay Murray, but Derek White probably will find himself in a good amount of my lineups. All right. Final game of the night, Utah jazz traveling to LA to take on the Lakers for the Lakers. Carmelo Anthony is questionable. Anthony Davis, Sekou, uh both rolled out. Kendrick Nunn's return. They're saying he's getting closer and closer. Not ready yet. LeBron, Dwight Howard, both probable. Uh, the Jazz are on the second half of the back-to-back, so we do not have their injury report. This game does have the highest game total at 232, Utah being favored by five. I'll pass it over to you. Talk about the Jazz. Yeah, and the Jazz are going to be on the second half of back-to-back, as you said. And Donovan Mitchell is definitely at 9,000. I've always liked that anytime I can get him, below that kind of 9k mark i think this is a great price tag for him to be able to absolutely attack an la team that's been god awful defensively it was a 28th in the league last i checked just been having real struggles being able to shut down anyone much less uh, one of the fastest players in the league so again that shooting guard eligibility if i decide to go a little bit cheaper probably with a Derek White and Donovan Mitchell combo. That might be something that's coming up in a decent amount of my lineups as well. So Donovan Mitchell definitely in play. Rudy Gobert as well, 8,300. Again, his price tag has gotten quite a bit lower than anyone would expect. He was consistently above 9,000 for most of the month of December and really hasn't had a bad game yet. His price tag has gone ahead and dropped down to 8,300. So I'm absolutely happy to be able to go ahead and uh, take him depending on how uh, my lineups work out. This is another matchup where Lakers just don't have the size to be able to match with that. As you said, 232 points total. Uh, LeBron's going to do whatever he can on the other end to try to keep it close, which will hopefully get uh, both uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert getting up to their regular minutes total. If that happens, they'll absolutely smash their values. Yep, those are the two guys I'm looking at, and they're both two of my favorite plays on the slate. I think that they're, you you said it perfectly, they're both a little too cheap. Gobert, especially. Uh, This is a smash spot for Gobert, it's a smash spot for Mitchell. You said the Lakers' defense has been terrible. They haven't been able to stop just any primary ball handling guard like all season long. It doesn't matter who it is. Uh, it could be anybody that walks in here. I mean, if you, Harris, if you're starting guard uh, and let's say you're playing, you could be like a tweener like Anthony Simons. You're probably getting 30 DK points on them. I would give you like a $4,300 salary, a nice, solid, stable salary where we're thinking about it every single night. Uh, but outside of those two major guys, I mean, I don't mind taking stabs at a few other people like a Jordan Clarkson at 56. 
if you're looking just to kind of pivot off the Mitchell train, get somebody who's, you know, routinely taking a bunch of shot attempts. He's going to want to, he always loves to play in LA against his former team. He'll see the minutes, you know, he could easily drop. I could see 30 DK points in this one. It wouldn't shock me, but for the most part, I'm going to be on the Mitchell Gobert get bandwagon. Uh, I'll probably have one, if not both of these guys in every single one of my lineups uh, on the Lakers side of the ball. I mean, outside of LeBron, who can you really trust at this point? I mean, Carmelo Anthony sitting out gives Taylor Horton Tucker a few more minutes. gives Trevor Ariza a few more minutes. Uh, Ariza at 3,100 is maybe the one value play. I could see myself on this team, like, you know, piquing my interest a little bit. But they're they're kind of just going with whatever lineup works at the moment. I mean, we're seeing Austin Reeves play in the mid-20s minutes, but he's not somebody I have any, you know, expectations for on a night-to-night basis unless he's, he's just shooting the ball lights out. Uh, this could be one of those matchups where we do see a fair amount of Dwight Howard. We saw that in the in the last game going against Denver, going against the primary center where they know they can't play LeBron James. He plays big minutes, well, big being like 20. So at 3,300, he's another value, but you can't really play him when you guy, have guys like Precious. You know, you can have guys like JaVale McGee, who are only a few hundred dollars more, and you know that their role's a little bit bigger, a little bit safer. So he's nothing more than like a GPP pivot for me if you're looking just to maybe – or maybe you're playing the late games and you just want to get a little bit more exposure like that. Uh, outside of LeBron, though, it's really just going to be those two guys. Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and say I absolutely hate the fact that they have LeBron sitting at just the center position. He's clearly playing a number of different positions out there, and it really messes around uh, you know, your capability to be able to put him into different spots when that's his only position. And at that point, since I'm already looking at our Gobert or JaVale McGee, I just don't see myself having the positional capability to be able to get him on, even if I would have otherwise wanted. So honestly, by and large, I'm going to go ahead and just avoid the Lakers for basically the reason that I can't put LeBron in a forward position. It's as simple as that. It's crazy is that I didn't even notice that at first until you just said that. And I mean, I probably wasn't going to land on him all that much anyway, just based on how my builds were initially coming. But you just said it perfectly, man. There's no there's no reason to play him. Uh, not at, I mean, listen, he'd be the contrarian center play, in my opinion. I guess if you're looking for the contrarian center play, it's probably LeBron. But we have so much value, so much good mid-tier centers that we can hit on this slate. Why why go that route? You know, go with a go with a Mitchell. Go with a Jimmy Butler, like you said before. Um, those are the two, or maybe even a Murray, like those are the spend up options. If you're looking and that's pretty much why my, my lineups are just shaking out that way is I can, if I wanted to pair a Butler with, you know, Gobert and Mitchell, I could do that. I can even fit Derek white in there. Cause we have a little bit of value. It's, it's not hard to make builds like this. If you want, uh, there's many different ways you can go. I'm going to be tinkering with it all throughout the day. And I'm sure by the time, uh, slates lock, we will have more information, more news, more scratches. It, it's COVID basketball days where, well, we record this the night before, uh, and who the hell knows what is going to be useful by the time the game starts, I guess we can say. We hope most of it, because we, we put some time into this, but we hope it's all useful, Harris. But that ends it. That brings us to our player tier segment. I will pass it over to you. We'll start with, should we go in order, do you think? Should we start with like the early, then end with the main, or should we just talk about the main first, since that's the one we just touched on? I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Yeah, I, I think it makes more sense just to go with the main at the moment because it's just reiterating what we already spoke about. Uh, we're going to start with the expensive guy, right? Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to stick with my uh, half gut feeling, half just knowing what's going to happen, and it's going to be Jimmy Butler at 8,900. Again, just in a matchup that without Kyle Lowry, he's going to be getting his usage up into the 30% yet again. Um, had obviously a really bad shooting night against Philly. I don't see that happening again, just given the fact that he has been just so incredibly efficient for the vast majority of this entire season. So I think he's in a great spot to be able to get a high number of assists. Uh, he's going to get his rebound numbers up and his shot attempts are going to be into the uh, mid to high teens. So just a great spot for him to be able to go ahead and get into that 50 to 60 range as far as his upside's concerned. And I'm very happy to take him as my expensive dude. Well, that bad that bad game against Philly came because he wasn't playing with the the Heat third stringers. Yeah, if he if he had third stringers going against Philly, we all we all know what would have happened. Uh, I'll go with Mitchell here at nine k. I, I think we're both on on par with Mitchell as well, and you know you can't go wrong with either one of these guys, if not both. I think they're both fantastic spend ups. Uh, how about your mid tier play? Who are you looking at? Anybody under eight k? Yeah, and I think I'm gonna have to stick with uh, with the Josh Giddy call on this. Just at 7,100, he's got in a matchup that 
They said the points total isn't great. The spread isn't looking like it's going to be. But I'm banking on the fact that OKC is going to go ahead and play to the level that they've been playing as of late, which has been super pesky, especially as you saw in that matchup against Cleveland. Josh Giddy gets those kind of minutes, as I expect. I think he's just got so much to his game, so much all-round capability, and his shot just keeps getting better. He's got a smash spot to be able to have a 40-plus DK point game here. I will go with Chris Stops, Porzingis at 7,900, just under the threshold that we're looking at. Again, like I said, it, it comes down to the matchup, the minutes. Obviously, they missed him in this lineup. But it's also simply because of the power forward position. I think it's just kind of ugly as a whole. I mean, there's not a lot of options I really love in that spot. You know, we can you can chase these Covington games, but anybody that knows Robert Covington knows as well as he's been playing. He's very up and down. Some of that usage is going to go away with some of these other bodies here. Uh, and then outside of them, it, you know, you're really starting to get down into some value plays, which are completely in play. We'll get to probably one of them in two seconds when we hit that value tier segment. But uh, for the most part, I think it just comes down to a lineup construction standpoint where I just find myself spinning up in that spot a little bit more. And then for your value play, my friend, give it to me. Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and not say JaVale McGee because that would be way, way too obvious. I'm going to stick with Precious Achua. I think given Kem Birch being out, uh, regardless of how tough the matchup is, uh, he's going to be in a position where he plays 28 to 32 minutes, just given the fact that they'll need his size, they'll need his rebounding, and he's going to be the recipient of whatever lobs that uh, Fred just continues to throw to him. So he's fine as, as far as his uh, price point is concerned. I think he's got a great floor, and the ceiling still remains with all the rebounding upside. So, yeah, I, I was totally going to say Precious, actually, because um, I thought you were going to go JaVel. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that great minds think alike, I guess. So, uh, I'll go with Chumo Kiki here. I know that people are probably shying away from him a little bit. He's been floating around that high four range for the past few games now. Uh, a couple down ones in the, ba- in the past two games, but this guy's got tremendous upside. We've seen it. Just the steals alone get, raises uh, floor. Decent rebounding game. I mean, if the shot's falling, I mean, the shot just has not been anywhere near the rim for this guy over the past five games. He's shooting 25, 33, 33, 27, and 12%. This dude only needs to hit 40% of his shots, and he's probably hitting 30 DK points. So I like this matchup for him. I like the pace. Portland's defense has been pretty trash all season long. So I'll go with Okiki here in a nice bounce back spot at 4,600. Gives you that small forward and power forward eligibility. So there you go. If you're not spending up on Kristaps, you have another option there. And then that brings us to now we'll go in order, I guess. Uh, we'll start with the early slate. So we'll do our three favorite plays from the tiers and both of these other two slates, just in case anybody's out there listening. I will pass it over to you. The start time for this is a 1230 Eastern Standard Time start. Uh, just for a little bit of context, it's the Pelicans, Celtics, Charlotte Hornets, Knicks and Philly, Washington. Give me your top play. Spend up. Yeah, and you know, given the three-game slate, given the lack of other spend-up options that I really like, LaMelo Ball at 9000 just if not by the fact that he absolutely killed the Knicks the last time he played just by default at that price tag, continues to have just sky-high upside. Uh, 46 DK points in the last game as well, got his offense back into a little bit more of the groove, and more importantly, got his assists back. He had a couple of games where he had been not at that you know, seven mark and got himself back to eight, so I think at 9000 at the Madison Square Gardens. It's a great spot for LaMelo to go ahead and show why he is the showman of the NBA this season. Yeah, I can't follow you there. That's probably the guy I would have went with. I'll go uh, with the only other guy that on this slate that I think is worth spending. Up. I'm not going to say that because Tatum and Brown always have that upside, uh, both in good spots as well. But I'll go Joel Embiid at 11K. Uh, dude has just been a force. I was a little upset over the past two games that he didn't score 31 points. I just thought that that was what he was going to keep doing on purpose. But the dude just continues just to be like a a sleeper MVP candidate. I I don't think a lot of people are mentioning him for how good he's been all season long. But he's absolutely unreal. He's torched the Wizards earlier in the year with a nice game of uh, 62 DK points where he dropped 36 and 13. Granted, the Wizards have a few center rotations, but I'm not worried about any single one of them going against Joel Embiid. 11K feels like it's probably right where he should be priced. But on a three-game slate, you're going to want to take into account that raw points will matter. Uh, anytime it's a smaller slate, raw points certainly matter. So I, I sometimes I just take out of focusing on, you know, I guess total point per dollar value into account that I know I'm getting probably close to 50 DK points from Embiid. And then for your mid-tier play. 
Yeah, and I think with Marcus Smart entering protocols, it just gives you more of the opportunity to have Dennis Schroeder back in your lineup. We saw on uh, the last game against Chicago, got 36 minutes, was able to get 37.5 DK points, and at 5,500, anytime I get an opportunity with him to have increased usage, and I don't usually like playing Jalen Brown, and Tatum, I think, is still just little bit too expensive for the kind of usage he's getting at this moment. I think Dennis Schroeder is the uh, pivot that uh, fits for me as far as my mid-range is concerned. I can't fault you there. I've been on the Schroeder train for the past two games. I got a good one and I got a bad one. I got I actually won money on the day that he scored five. So just imagine <laughs> it was a really score uh, low-scoring DK lineup day. So I, I, I'm guessing a few other people. I think that was the day that Robin Lopez also bit a bullet. But it could have been what could have been is what I'm thinking right here. Uh, my mid tier play, I'm stuck right here because uh, it's going to be a Nick. And do I have the stones to pull, pull the trigger on RJ Barrett? Cause I never do. I really never do, but I love this matchup for both of them, but I'll probably end up leaning Alec Burks uh, at 63 point guard, small forward eligibility, uh, put up a big game in that last one on only eight shot attempts. It's a fantastic matchup. Uh, I, you know, I don't think I'd really need to say too, too much more, but I think this is just a good spot for him. Big price increase, but it, you know, having that small forward eligibility as well as the guard position allows you to be a little bit more versatile. And you're going to want exposure going against Charlotte. It's that simple. We we talked about it year or year in year out, day in day out. Uh, their defense is trash. They give up a lot of three pointers. And if you're playing the mellow, you're going to want to run right back with somebody. Uh, and now your value play. Yeah, and this one, because it has to be 5000 or less, otherwise I would have said uh, Mitchell Robinson at 5100 but I'm going to go ahead and say Montrez Harrell at 47 uh, Just Clearly, he's uh, kind of separating himself as the big guy to be able to go through. Daniel Gafford's minutes are on the way down. He's only played 16 and 11 the last two games. Thomas Bryant is still clearly working his way back into some sort of shape, stuck at uh, 12 minutes a game at the moment. So that's left Montrez Harrell with the capability to be able to have about as safe a floor as you can get. He hasn't had a game below 23 DK points for the last uh, six games that I looked at. It's not like his upside is sky high either, but you know, you, you know, if it's a guy that uh, you need to round out your lineup, he's going to be able to hit his value. And as a value play, that's really what you want most nights. Cannot go wrong with Montrose Harrell. He's always just priced like very appropriately where it's enticing. Um, and you usually don't want to look at him just because of that center eligibility and on bigger slates, there's always just a lot of other guys you could choose from and it gets tough to play him. But on a three game slate, you don't have any of those issues. It becomes much, much easier to have some interest in him. And you're right. Uh, I actually saw you dropped Gafford in our league, but then you scooped him <laughs> yeah. right back up. I was going to, I would have scooped him up just to see what happens with it. I mean, good blocks. If you need the blocks, he's there. Uh, all right. For my value play, I will go with Mr. Herb Jones, 4,600. Uh, there's not a ton of value on this early slate that you could really feel great about. You know, if we see that Thibel happens to be ruled out again, which there's a decent chance he will be with that elbow soreness, you can maybe look at Cork Maz, but very up and down where you never really know what you're getting from Cork Maz. So I'll go with Herb Jones, which which pretty much all season long, we've, we've known what we're getting from him. It's just that simple. Uh, you're getting a consistent, decent four with decent upside. He's very Jay Crowder-ish. You know what I mean? So like, Probably a little better on defense than Jay Crowder, even as a rookie. But you kind of got a decent floor and decent ceiling to go with it on his upside days, or he's going to pay that off like 7x, uh, and you'll take that. But that is it for the early slate. So now we'll shift gears. We'll go over to the afternoon slate, which is a little bit more exciting. A couple of better games on the afternoon slate. We have Brooklyn going against Cleveland, Pacers going against LA Clippers, and then Chicago going against Memphis. I will pass it over to you, my friend. Give me your spend up. Yeah, and with Kevin Durant announced to be out at least four to six weeks with his MCL sprain, this can't look past Harden, even though we will get uh, Kyrie Irving back in this game. At 11,800, he's just got the upside to be able to drop 70 on any given night, and he's just looking better and better in every matchup. That last Pelicans game was an absolute masterclass, and if it was for the six turnovers, he'd... And we've still got 63 DK points as a result of it. So not too worried about that. Uh, given the other options over here, I think he's easily going to be the highest pure point scorer uh, on this given night as well. And in that three-game slate, that's what you want. So sign me up for some of the beard. Yep, can't go wrong there. I'll go with uh, Demonis Sabonis, 10-2, going against the Clippers team that's kind of struggled against opposing front courts for the majority of the season. Uh, Miles Turner has already been ruled out, so we're going to get a lot of those minutes at center. 
which I think we've noticed in the past, anytime Sabonis is the only big man in that lineup and the only starting center in that lineup, uh, you start to see him unlock some of the more of those higher rebounding games. We always know he's capable of putting up, you know, 10 to 13 rebounds almost on a night-to-night basis, but you could start seeing those 16 to 18 rebound games when he's starting at center without Miles Turner in there. So at 10-2, uh, he's probably my favorite spend-up on this slate. Even with Harden in there, I mean, I would do whatever I can to try to get the both of those guys. We're going to get to our value tier segment, see if we could. But those two guys are going to be, I think, the two highest point scorers on the slate. And I don't expect it to be remotely close. Uh, for the mid-tier, who are you looking at? Yeah, for the mid-tier, I was kind of in between a couple of these guys. But I just in the end, I ended up looking back at my guy, Amir Coffey, on the LA Clippers. He probably is considered more of a value play than anything, but at 5,400, he's just absolutely locked in in his role. He's getting anywhere between 28 to 32 minutes. In fact, going all the way up to 43 minutes, just a couple of games back. And he just is in a position where he's getting seven to eight three-point attempts a game, getting double-digit shot attempts. And he just has uh, more opportunities to be able to produce, just given how this LA Clippers rotation is working out with everyone continuing to be out. So I'm just going to keep playing him until he gets into that 6,000 range. And until then, he's going to be one of my uh, favorite guys as far as his position is concerned. I can't fault you there. Uh, Coffee looks great. It's I think they, they said coming into the last game that he was going to have – like he's been on some sort of minutes restriction, but um, – it's it's a weird situation, too, because he ended up playing 32. They said that they were going to give him more than they did in the Pelicans game. But where did the minutes restriction come from when he played 43 against Denver? Is what I'm, I don't understand. It's like, okay, we're going to play him 43 minutes, and then the following game they said, yeah, we're going to limit his minutes. And then the game after that they said, yeah, we're going to lift the restriction a little bit. He's still going to be limited, but a little bit more. So, like, if we hear there's no restrictions, that means he's playing 40 minutes again. Like. Uh, I was I, I just don't get it. There must be some underlying thing going on with him, but it doesn't matter what's going on. The dude's still balling out right now. Uh, all right, cool. I'll go with uh, Kobe White for at six K. I don't love that price tag for him whatsoever, uh, but the fact that he's playing absolutely monster minutes with you know no Zach Levine, they kind of already ruled out Lonzo Ball for this game as well. It's just going to be heavy, heavy minutes. Um, you know, he's never going to be the guy that drops ten dimes. It's not his game. He's again very, very tweener type guard where. The shot attempts is what we're most concerned with, and he's been shooting the ball very, very well over the past, like, two weeks where 6K and he's taking 18 shots, that's all we care about. Uh, and then your value. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the same game on here because they announced Alex Caruso still to be out, so Ayo Dosunmu just continues to be uh, – he had 40 minutes in the last game. Forget the fact that he shot 9 of 10. It was the uh, usage with uh, the 10 dimes that really piqued my interest in that. They're clearly committed to him. He's getting 32 minutes even in the game prior, despite him not actually putting up anything in that time. So it's just one of those uh, one of those guys that obviously it's a bit more of a, of a dart throw given everything else. But I think with Lonzo Ball out, you could feel pretty confident with him being able to hit that value as far as 4,600 is concerned. It's whether he'll – Know, drop the kind of game that he did in the last one uh, to that level. But of course, people who are box score chasing and in a three game slate, he's probably going to be owned a little bit more. But regardless, my favorite value play on the slate. All right. I'll give two here because they're both going to be kind of uh, injury caveat driven. Um, you know, Dayron Sharp, if we see that Claxton is ruled out, I think that he is just a stone cold. You know, value to play that will be very chalky, but the dude's a fantastic point per minute producer. We've said it before. He doesn't need every minute in order to do what he needs to do. Uh, and then the other guy I want to talk about is going to be Seti Osman at 3,800. If we do see that uh, Stevens is ruled out, he's questionable at the moment. So we don't have the news, but it's the earliest game on this afternoon slate. I don't know if that's coming out wrong, but we're not going to have it right now. So if he just rolled out, they're kind of running very, very thin at guards. I guarantee Okoro is expected to be back in this one. So you can even look at Okoro at 3,400. I think he would make a lot of sense as well. Uh, but Okoro would be the chalky one that would play. But I can see Seti having a decent role in this one, probably playing somewhere around like 20 to 22 minutes, maybe even a couple more if we're lucky. Um, and then becomes a very, very low-owned option that we can look at. So keep an eye on both of those Cleveland guards. If we see that Stevens is rolled out, just going to be extra minutes to go around. That is it. My friend, that is everything. We're not done because now you know what time it is. It's uh, we're still giving out picks, man. This is just, it feels like it's, it's a like Christmas day. We're just passing out gifts left and right. Uh, we're going to go to the thrive fantasy prop bets of the day. 
And there are a lot of them, a lot of games, a lot of options that we could choose from. So I will pass it over to you. Give me your top Thrive Fantasy prop bet of the day. Yeah, and I think I'm going to have to uh, stick myself on brand on this one in which I'm going to go ahead and say Jimmy Butler at 27.5 total on points and rebounds to get you a cool 100 on his over. It's just a matchup that he's always relished. I With Kyle Lowry out, he's going to get even more of an opportunity to get more of his offense going, and I wouldn't even be surprised if he breaks that just purely on his points itself. So I'm happy to go ahead and take that over and get myself 100 points. I cannot fault you there. Uh, this was a tough one for me because I think there's a lot of good ones on here, but the ones obviously that I love are going to be the ones that are pretty much stone cold locks, but we'll go with Cole Anthony, uh, the over on 18 and a half points going against Portland. It's only 95 points. Uh, there's a few other ones that are a little bit risky that I was interested in as too as well, but I try not to just throw around risky. Like, you know, I want to say Chris stops over on 10 and a half boards or 120. Uh, but we've seen plenty of games this season where Kristaps has seven or eight boards and then we're left there holding that bag. So we'll just go with Cole Anthony right here. Uh, eight and a half points. I think that's pretty pretty secure. And that's it, my friend. That is the entire main slate, a breakdown, a little bit of breakdown of the other two slates just to help our listeners out a little bit if they're trying to get some early in afternoon action. And then the Thrive Fantasy pick, as always, guys, go follow us on Twitter. Uh, I received a couple nice messages over the over the past few days, Harris, and I just want to give a shout out. Those people know who they are. Uh, just basically thanking us for what we do, um, for giving some good pl- picks lately. I guess we've been winning some people some money over the past few weeks, which is always fun to hear. But love getting those messages, guys. Uh, keep them coming if you want, uh, whether it's in our you know our DMs or if it's going to be on Twitter. Uh, it's the reason we do this. You know, we we always love hearing people say like, "Hey, you guys want us some money." Um, we, we put some time into this. We always research before every slate. It makes us feel good knowing that we're helping some other people out once in a while. And then you're going to find us at Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You'll find Harris at H-A-K underscore devil, D-E-V-I-L. So that's H-A-K underscore D-E-V-I-L. And then you can give us a thumbs up, five star, wherever you're listening, whether it is Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple. It's not iTunes, Harris. I know that now. Uh, Apple. I'm, I'm old, man. I'm old. There was there, there was just an iTunes at one point. Uh, you can find us pretty much anywhere you're listening to this, guys. And uh, subscribe. You'll get the notification as soon as the podcast is posted. And then you'll get, uh, you know, you get some, some pats on the back from us with the five-star rating and everything else, too. So thank you, guys, as always. Harris, is there anything else you would like to say before we get out of here? No, not at all. Just as you said, I've gotten a couple of messages as well, really thanking the energy that we're bringing on the show, which is great. So I'm glad you guys are enjoying that as well. And as I said, stay safe, stay warm for all those who are in the GTA here with me. Hopefully you guys have your shovels out as well, but it looks like we're already starting to see the snow. So let's uh, stay warm with some good basketball, at least throughout the day. I'll send you a nice picture of a sunny, sunny sky with no snow on the ground tomorrow, just to warm you up a little bit, my friend. But now good luck with that. Stay safe, everybody. If you are dealing with the snow uh, and the cold, obviously, uh, we want everyone to be warm and toasty in front of the fireplace, roast some marshmallows if possible, if you're dealing with that stuff. But take care, guys. We will be back. It'll be Santino. It'll be DJ Sammy Caps. They'll be handling that Tuesday slate for you guys. Take care. Have a good one. Let's go win some money.